Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we want to talk about a bubble today and over the next couple of shows. And bubbles in the market are where something happens, a phenomenon takes place, a new issue comes out in a new sector. And we've seen this over and over again throughout the past many years. People jump on board, the bubble bursts, everything goes the other way, and everybody says, what the heck happened here? And as you say, Gord, bubbles are a repeating phenomenon. I mean, we had the Bitcoin bubble. We had the cannabis bubble. We had the 2007 financial industry bubble. In 2000, we had the tech bubble. In 2012, we had the top of the gold bubble. And we had, in 2014, we had the oil and gas bubble at first. So bubbles are a reoccurring event throughout history. The, the problem is that investors never seem to understand the telltale symptoms of a bubble and never seem to get out in time. So what we wanted to do today is take a look at the pot bubble because it's probably one of the most recent bubbles and take a look at some of the telltale signs along the way that were flashing red that a bubble was happening. And of course, investors ignored it to their own financial peril. But we'll look at the pot bubble because it's recent in everybody's mind, and a lot of people went through it, wrote it all the way up, and wrote it back down. And so hopefully we'll just use this as a case study so that you can learn that bubbles can be very hazardous to your health and some of the telltale signs that should be warning you that if you're involved, that it's probably time to move to the sidelines. I guess we should point out that, and I think in the marijuana situation, I know some people, you know, firsthand that made a lot of money. They they got on board, they got some stock, the stock went up, they were smart enough, maybe they're sophisticated enough investors to say, okay, I'm taking my money off the table, they got out. On the other hand, I also know some people that wrote it all the way down again. So that's what you're cautioning, right? Yes. Don't be the urban cowboy getting on the mechanical bull and, and hanging on for dear life until you get bucked off. When you, there's a new trend in society, ride the trend, of course. Take advantage of it. But when the telltale signs are saying that things are getting very, very overvalued and very, very frothy, you've got to listen to those signs. Or you're just going to ride it all the way up and all the way back down. And frankly, just the, the emotional and financial beating you take isn't worth it. So we're going to help you recognize those signs so that if you get involved in something and it starts getting frothy, you can step back and say, yeah, I've been here before. I understand this. Time to move to the sidelines. Okay, let's start with an analysis of this then. Let's talk about the pot bubble. Like right off the get-go, a lot of people believed inflated projections. One of the classic ones was when Bruce Linton, who was the CEO of Canopy Growth Corp, he appeared on CNBC's Jim Cramer show. And he was talking about that within a couple of years, the industry could be worth $500 billion. Now let's put that in perspective. The booze business came out of prohibition in 1933. 
and since 1933, it has grown to a $240 billion business over, really, about 85 years. And so it's taken a while to get that kind of volume, that kind of size. Here's a guy predicting that effortlessly the cannabis business could be twice as big. Could be twice as big in just a couple of years. And you have to sit back and when you start hearing these overinflated projections, you have to begin asking yourself, is the market reflecting these overinflated projections? And if it is, then the market is reflecting projections that are way, way too high. And when the market comes back to its reality, then prices collapse. So the expectation is there, then the expectation collapses and the investors go with it, right? Unfortunately, that is always the case. Okay, so let's talk about ignoring obvious risk. How do we identify obvious risk? Well, in the pot case, for example, if you actually stopped and looked at the market, two-thirds of cannabis sales in Canada are conducted in the black market, which means that consumers are voting with their feet because the black market is a lot cheaper. You know, in Canada right now, marijuana is selling for $10 per gram in the legal market. And it's selling for about $6 per gram in the black market. And that gives you a 4 to a $4.5 advantage per gram. And, of course, when people are out of work and people are looking for ways to economize, they're going to go to the cheaper source. And even when times were better, if you can buy a product for half the cost, you're likely, especially with marijuana only becoming legal over the last couple of years, you're likely to go back to the source that you bought it from all the time, especially having small amounts of marijuana is now not illegal. You're not putting yourself in harm's way by buying it on the black market, or, or at least it's not nearly as much in harm's way. So here you have just an obvious risk. And... You know, when, when analysts were coming on TV or were doing their dog and pony shows across the country, there was very little mention of the fact that, hey, this huge black market, which has serviced uh, the cannabis consumer for years, isn't going to go away. And how are we going to compete with that? You know, that was not talked about. Okay, full disclosure, I didn't get on this train. I, I sat back and I watched it and I thought, yeah, there's some possibility there. But you know what alarmed me, Ron, was the growth, the, the, the real estate that was bought, the huge greenhouses that were built here, there, and everywhere. And I thought, man, that's a lot of money going out there. How much money's coming in? And that is, that is a good point. And here again, it's obviously that there's overinflated uh, projections. And you take a look at all this real estate and all these greenhouses that were built and all these costs that were uh, assumed for all these assets that were bought. Hemp is a good example. Hemp is used to produce CBD creams and lotions. And hemp prices have recently collapsed by about 75% from where they were even last summer. And the problem is, that in the United States, you need about 20,000 acres of hemp in total supply 
to look after the entire U.S. market. Well, there's 115,000 acres were harvested in 2019. And I have friends in the U.S. that have bought hundreds of acres of land that they're going to be putting into hemp production. And they're just not looking at the marketplace. They're saying, oh, yeah, it's going to grow so big and it's going to grow so fast that demand is going to overwhelm supply. And in a year or so, uh, there isn't going to be enough. Well, you know, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Eventually, legalization in the U.S. will increase demand for sure. But until then, prices are at the point where everybody's losing money because here again, people aren't looking at the basic fact that there's only so much demand and there's more acres right now, five times, almost six times the acreage in production uh, available than there's demand for. So all this money that poured into this acreages and greenhouses and supply distribution chains and all the rest of this, that money somewhere, someone is going to get hurt. You know, I, I just think back to, to hearken back to the stat about alcohol sales, $250 billion industry. And I think if you look at it from a demographic viewpoint, uh, you know, a lot of people that are of a certain age group that grew up in the 70s or the 60s or whatever and were exposed to marijuana when it was illegal, maybe they sampled that. You know, I know a whole lot more people that'll sit down and have a glass of wine that'll sit down and have a hit on a joint, right? It's just, that's just a fact these days, I think. Yeah, and there's the health considerations aside. You know, all of a sudden, um, the health considerations, of, of, of especially of, of heavy smoking of marijuana, they seem to disappear. But, you know, it's a cause for, for chronic lung problems, cancers, and things like that. So, you know, it isn't the most healthy. I mean, obviously, there's CBD creams and there's other things which do have obvious health benefits. But that market is only so big. And here again, you know, when you start ignoring the costs for it. In Canada, it's a cold place, let's face it. Because we're in a cold climate, greenhouses have to be heated up maybe even nine months a year. And it is expensive. In Colombia, for example... They have almost a perfect year-round climate at some levels for growing cannabis. And they're able to produce this stuff at maybe 50 cents a gram from what I've seen. In Canada, the industry is really trying to get their costs down to $2 a gram. And, you know, this leads to the obvious question. What happens to our domestic industry when these low-cost producers decide that they want to expand into Canada? All that money spent on this high-cost production, what is that eventually going to do to bottom lines? Well, when you've got people that can produce it at a quarter of the cost. So, Ron, we've talked about the enormous costs that were involved in starting this industry and how the stocks have gone up and stocks have gone down and all these different parameters that affect the pot bubble. What about valuations exceeding profitability? Well, valuations have been cut in half over the last year. And the problem is that economic projections made in toward this sector's future growth have been entirely too optimistic. So even as the estimates have started to shrink, voices within the industry are saying that they haven't fallen far enough 
and a growing number of analysts are actually cautioning that 2020 consensus sales estimates for the industry are still at least 50% too high. So if they're right, cannabis downside might not even be over yet before things finally start to turn around. So valuations exceeding profitability is typically one of those telltale signs that you always see in a bubble where valuations just are projecting the supernatural, to be honest with you. And so if you believe in the paranormal and you believe in fairy tales and Jack and the Beanstalk, well, then you can believe in some of this stuff. But when numbers get crazy and they start coming down, typically when valuations go up, they go up on an escalator. When they come down, they come down on an elevator and stocks usually move in the same velocity and in the same direction. And I guess the, the final cautionary note on this before we dra- take a break to go to part two is that the people that wrote it up and, and didn't get out and are back down now, they're sitting there wondering what to do next. Uh, in a, a, just on a thumbnail here, would you just get out and wait on the sidelines to see what happens or do you wait this out and wait for another rise? Well, if there's more downside to come, then obviously things could get cheaper. And so, you know, if you believe there's more downside to come, like I think, and obviously these are just projections we don't know for sure, but if there's a lot more downside to come, uh, then prices could go lower. And, of course, you want to put this in context as well, Gord, because if you're sitting with some incredible gains on the other side of the table, you've got other stocks and other industries, especially if you've had some exposure to the tech industry, you have enormous profits sitting on the table. So if you take some of the losses from the cannabis or marijuana stocks you hold and apply it against some of your gains, you can neutralize your taxes for the year. So really it is on a individual basis that you've got to look at this because everybody's circumstances are different. Okay, so there's a lot more to get into here on the pot bubble. Uh, some other significant sectors and and factors that we've decided to do this show, and we'll be back next week with part two of that. Again, a reminder, if you have a question about something we've covered on this show or any of the other shows, you can get to us through our email account at letsmakemoney.ca. It'll come right to Ron or myself. And you can also reach us through our friends at cfcw.com on their website. The show is called Making Money. We're back next week with part two of the Pot Bubble with the financial coach Ron Hebert. On his behalf, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.